It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. And thanks for joining me for this weekend extra. And it's a really special extra. It uh, lives on in my mind. And as I talked about this with my producer, Rick Engdahl, and my longtime compatriot, Matt Greer, we thought we should definitely air our interview with Fred Rogers from many years ago because of this weekend. Well, Fred Rogers' documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, is now out in theaters. So, yeah, we're, we're going to promote it a little bit and get you out there. In fact, by the time this airs, I've already seen it because I went to it Friday night. I bet I loved it. So, I, I definitely wanted to have my friend Matt Greer in because, Matt, first of all, hey. David, good to see you. Happy weekend. Happy weekend. Happy weekend for me, too. I think we're going probably on Saturday to okay. see Won't You Be My Neighbor. All right, yeah, we're going to the AMC Sherlington, which is not the biggest theater here in Washington. I don't think it's in a huge release, right? It's not maybe making all of the IMAX screens out there, but I think, I hope, you know, it'll do good sales. I think it will. The preview looks awesome, fast paced, not anything like the actual Mr. Rogers real show, but that's right. okay. So, Mac, thinking back in the day, you had many roles at The Motley Fool, and one of them was helping us book guests like Fred Rogers. Uh, do you remember like dialing him up and trying to get him on The Motley Fool radio show? I do. This may have been my high-water mark. This is back in 2002. And if you're of a certain age, then you look at Mr. Rogers. I mean, he's iconic. I think he was, he was a saint. In, in every way. Um, and, and I watched his show as, as, as a young lad in the late 60s. I started watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and that in Sesame Street, that was my kind of one-two punch. So did punch, I. Right? Yeah. Did Pretty you ever strong. Did you ever watch The Electric Company coming on a little later? I did like, I did like The Electric Company. That was almost a little too edgy for me. I liked <laughs> I kind of liked the slower pace of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I don't know Indeed. what that says about me. In fact, while you don't have a Mr. Rogers sweater on right now, Matt, I don't. it's almost like you could have. I mean, you, you're accoutred often in a way that you, you would not look Look out of place in a Mr. Rogers sweater here in this office. I, I I think that's a compliment. I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure how to receive that. But yeah, he he was he was he was a hero of mine, and we had a colleague um, at the time, Carol Feld, who had a connection to Mr. Rogers. Um, he was based in Pittsburgh, and so she said, "Call this guy." David Newell, see if you can get Fred Rogers on the show. So over the course of months, we tried to get Mr. Rogers to come on the show. Finally, he did come on our show. This is back in November of 2002. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to David Newell on the phone, and we're finalizing the deal. And he finally said, he says at the end of this conversation, and maybe sometime you'll want to have me on the show. And I'm like, because we're going to do a special on David Newell? I mean, that, that makes no sense to me. And then he says, I'm Mr. McFeely. Oh my. Wow. And if you watch Mr. Rogers, jaw Mr. Dropper. McFeely, jaw dropper. He was the mailman. And I'm like, I am so sorry, Mr. McFeely, for not like paying you the the proper respect. And I don't think we actually never had him. I was gonna on the say show. I think history will show that we never did have Mr. David McNeil on, who I believe is still living. Unfortunately, David Fred Rogers yep. is no longer with us. But um, you know, I think maybe you Maybe there's a little bit of an IOU that you want to close the loop on. I, I think so. I before think the so. summer's out. There you go. Well, without further ado, Mac, I think we should probably roll it. This is about a 15-minute interview or so. It includes my brother Tom and me uh, just interviewing Fred Rogers. He was a delight. And I hope if you were a Mr. Rogers fan, as Mac Greer and David Garden were back in the day, I hope this will give you the warm fuzzies as you hear Fred's brush with the Motley Fool. Two words sum up our next guest, Mr. 
Rogers. For 33 years, Fred Rogers entertained and educated millions of us as host of the television show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. He's the recipient of numerous honors and awards and is the author of numerous books, including his most recent, The Mr. Rogers Parenting Book. We're truly honored to have him join us from NPR member station WQED in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mr. Rogers, welcome to the Motley Fool Radio Show. Thank you, Brothers Gardner. So we have to ask kids these days, what do you think? Well, I think that uh, the outsides have changed a lot, Mm -hmm. particularly uh, louder and faster. But the insides of us don't change. You know, human beings, no matter what our age, want to know that we are lovable and capable of loving. And so do you really, when you step away from it, do you think of kids today as more similar or more different than, let's say, the 1950s and 60s? More similar. Mm-hmm. For the very because reason... I, well, I look on the insides of people mm-hmm. and uh, and always have. I think that it's far more important to think about what's not so visible in life. Mm. This is a money program, you said, and so uh, these views may not be what you're looking for, but they're my views. Let me say that uh, money we, we view as just a medium. It is synonymous with opportunity for us, so in the end it's the decisions that you make. Let me ask Fred Rogers, when did you first come up with the idea for, for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Well, it wasn't my idea. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I went to uh, to Toronto to do a program thinking that I was going to go and do puppets and music, as I had always done here. And Dr. Frederick Rainsbury said to me, you know, I've seen you talk with children. I'd like to translate that to the screen. Hmm. So uh, let's just do that and call it Mr. Rogers. Well, I, <laughs> that was quite a a switch for me. I had never been on the screen before. Mm-hmm. But when, I love, you know, I love children, and I, I trust that that comes through. When did the first program air, and when did you first realize that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was going to be uh, a national success? Oh, it, it aired in the uh, early 60s, and I think that... Uh, the time that I heard a little girl in a store saying to her dad, Meow, meow, have meow, please. <laughs> I think that's when I knew <laughs> that some people were watching. <laughs> Do you know Henrietta Pussycat? Mm-hmm. She'd be glad to talk with you. Meow, <laughs> meow, money talk, meow. No, no, Henrietta. <laughs> it's a great pleasure to be with you, uh, brothers Gardner, uh, Tom, and David. Uh, incidentally, that uh, <laughs> that that thing that Mister Rogers said earlier on. Uh, uh, foolery uh, does walk the orb like the sun. You know that one. Yes, we do well. Well, now, yes. Uh, is it uh, Tom foolery or David foolery? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Although Tom foolishness being a word in Webster's, I'll take credit for. <laughs> Did you ever think of 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 your work a- as a business? What was this a career for you? A something that you love to do that you didn't think of as a career, or both? Oh, I think it's always been a ministry for me. I've 
felt that the, what people really want is to be in touch with somebody who, uh, who cares about them and uh, wants to appreciate them. And so uh, through the neighborhood, we've been able to, to do that a lot. I mean, we have wonderful guests and those people who come to offer their own talents seems to me to be uh, a great thing to do. Mm. Let's talk about your new book, yeah. Mr. Rogers, the Mr. Rogers Parenting Book. Uh, what one or two tips can you give to my brother, who I think overall is doing a very good job with his three kids, but we can all self-improvement. It's an ongoing process. Well, I think uh, one of the best things that we can do as parents is to remember what it was like to be a child. You know, uh, get to know who the children are. Oh, I, I saw a wonderful list today about adults in relationship with kids, and there were 150 things, things like be yourself, listen to their stories, feed them when they're hungry, call them to say hello, uh, hold hands during a walk, things like that, you know. Uh, just show, show them that you are invested in them and boy they will bloom you know build something together ask them to help you introduce them to people of excellence and tell them what you expect of them and expect their best but not perfection what about Things like that what about the 21st century parent who might be saying hold hands spend time with my child play a video game with my son after dinner why not they let the child teach you how. My grandchildren teach me. People love to know that they have something within them that is of value. Mm. Fred Rogers, <laughs> you, you, you mentioned earlier, you've, you've picked up on this, you've caught on to the Motley Fool Radio Show's shtick, and that is that we are a money show, as you mentioned. And, and so let me ask, um, what, what do you think parents should be teaching their kids about money? I feel that uh, that feelings about money, you know, saving and spending, holding back and letting go, start very early in our lives. You know, stingy people have often been forced to give when they were very young, when they weren't ready. Mm. And generous people have often been really appreciated when they were very young. Do you talk about that much? We certainly do. One of the um, themes on the Motley Fool website each year, particularly come these times, is philanthropy, uh, charitable giving by our community, bringing people together, helping them pick the charities that they want to be involved in, and, and setting up a system for them to give through our site. And you've talked a lot about charitable giving, uh, it, with your idea of the giving box. Explain what the giving box is and how parents can use it. Well, it's just a little box with a hole in the top of it. You could make it yourself. <laughs> make a family tradition, you know, of talking about the needs of others as well as your own needs. And, you know, I think it's so important to remember that everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to give. And everyone needs 
something to receive. There isn't anybody in the world who is completely self-sufficient. And there isn't anyone who doesn't have at least something to give. Mr. Rogers, looking back over your, over your career, over your life, what have been your smartest and your dumbest investments? And that can be an investment of money or, or an investment of time. Your smartest and your dumbest. Well, I think the smartest was probably investing in other people. And the dumbest was uh, putting money in a slot machine. <laughs> Very well put. We, we agree. I, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about when you talk about investing in other people. Are you thinking of anyone in particular or a particular investment that you made that, that really paid off in, in whatever way we mean by payoff? Yes. I, uh, I was asked by somebody who had a small magazine if, uh, he would, if I would help... Uh, him to further that along, mm-hmm. and I did, and uh, a few years later, uh, it was about 50 times back what I had uh, given to him, and he, he gave it to me. Mm. You were born in the western Pennsylvania town of Latrobe in 1928, that, of course, a year before the stock market crashed and the Great Depression began. There are a lot of people today who are looking at their financial situation after what's happened with the market and reevaluating their priorities. What was your experience with money growing up uh, right during and just after the Great Depression? I think most of us who grew up in the Depression are quite conscious of being careful with money and other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, probably the roots of my recycling start in the Depression. I recycle everything I possibly can find. You know, I'll stop my car and pick up a plastic bottle Hmm. on the street and take it home to recycle. But uh, when when the tenor of the whole country is such that everything is limited, that sticks with you. Hmm. You know, I, I was only two, three, four years old at that time. And yet, you get those attitudes from the people that you live with, those who are closest to you. So I'll always have that sort of substratum of it's best to save. I mean, I could no more throw away a paperclip uh, and not reuse it, then fly. Mm-hmm. Of, course, of course, I can fly. So, it, it, <laughs> I, but, <laughs> I learned to fly when I was a senior in high school mm-hmm. from a perfectly wonderful man, uh, an African-American man who later went to Tuskegee Institute in Alabama and taught the flyers there for the Second World War, all the pilots wow. there. Hmm. Uh, do you still fly today? I don't fly uh, myself. I've, uh, there are a lot of uh, very fine pilots in the air now, and so uh, I just sit behind them. Mr. Rogers, uh, since both Tom and I grew up watching your show, um, we're well aware of you as a persona. Uh, that's why I have to ask, is Fred Rogers Fred Rogers? Uh, I think that my wife says it best. 
people say to her, is, is he really like that? And she said, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether you sense that from our visit here today, but uh, I think the greatest gift that anybody can give anybody else, as a matter of fact, the only unique gift that anybody can give is his or her honest self. You know, nobody could give you, Dave, to anybody else. Nobody could give you, Tom, to anybody else. You're the only one who can give yourself to somebody else. It, it makes uh, complete sense, and, and obviously you have lived what you've just described. And, and I think when, it, when I think about back watching your show, and, and as I hear you speak now, you project such a sense of, of calmness. Um, you create a, a tremendous sense of calm in the people who listen to you. Do you ever go a little bit crazy? Do you ever get angry? Oh, sure. In fact, uh, I wrote a song, What Do You Do With The Mad That You Feel When You Feel So Mad You Could Bite? Well, a little child said that once, and uh, I get angry when when I think that that justice isn't being served. And to me, justice is taking care of those who aren't able to take care of themselves. I received a postcard this morning, just came in this morning's mail, from someone who has worked in Eritrea for a long time. And he has helped set up orphanages there and places to take care of children. He's a doctor. And he says, uh, they came to visit us last summer, and he said it was like an anchor point in this increasingly ugly world of brutal self-interest, corruption, and disregard for the lives of others. We keep at it here with the orphans, even though the politicians bring down one government after another. Mm. So that's the kind of thing that can get up my ire. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, you ask. Right. <laughs> there. Let's talk a little bit more about justice just briefly. Some of our listeners may not know that you're also an ordained Presbyterian minister, and as someone who's spent your life talking about values, living those values, What's your take on some of the scandals that have played out in corporate America over the last few years, speaking about not taking care of the people that we work with in many cases? Exactly. Well, what do you think it is that drives people to want far more than they could ever use or need? I frankly think it's insecurity. You know, often the the show-off is insecure. I've seen kids walk into a nursery school class with their mitts up. (laughs) Now, those kids are scared they're going to act brave and scare everybody else before they scare him or them. They're they're worried about not being accepted. Exactly. And so how do we let the world know that the trappings of this life are not the things that 
are ultimately important for being accepted. That's what I've tried to do all through the years with the neighborhood. You know, it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your fancy toys, they're just beside you. But it's you I like, every part of you, your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember even when you're feeling blue that it's you I like, it's you yourself, it's you. Hmm. It's you I like. Wonderfully David said. Tom. And, and, and <laughs> you know, I, I'm thinking, Thomas, as I hear Mr. Rogers um, obviously recite from memory some of his own poetry. Ha, have you, I have to ask my brother here just for a second. Have you ever written a poem? And Could you share a little bit with us? Um, I, I, I have written some poems, but I'd also like to share one of my favorite poems. It's written by Emily Dickinson, and I think it's appropriate to okay. our conversation. Okay. And then we can close up with our game. Uh, it's a poem that one of her more than a thousand poems that she wrote, none mm-hmm. of which were published in her lifetime. She was living more than a hundred years ago. And she wrote a poem, a very short poem. If I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one soul the aching or cool one pain or help one fainting robin unto his nest again, I shall not live in vain. That's my poem. Thank you for that spontaneous show and a lovely one. And let's close with uh, with our game, Mr. Rogers. It's buy, sell, or hold. We're going to ask you your opinion about a few things happening in our society. Ask you if these things were stocks, since we do talk about stocks from time to time on the show, would you be buying, selling, or holding? An example might be, let's say, buy, sell, or hold broccoli. But we're not going to ask you that one. Uh, I want to know, to start off with, buy, sell, or hold, since mores have changed over the decades, buy, sell, or hold spanking. Spanking. Mm-hmm. I'd like to give you a quote from a very wise person. When we don't understand, we spank. Enough said. Sounds like a strong sell. And Tom, you and I were spanked growing mm-hmm. up, but mm-hmm. uh, but I I have never laid a hand on my kids, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that I will. I think that mm-hmm. I think things have kind of changed. They on have that. changed. Okay, if it were a stock, Mister Rogers, would you be buying, selling, or holding the television show The Simpsons? I'm sorry, I don't know that program. I know about it, mm-hmm. but I have not seen it. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, I'd be holding. It was one of Saturday Night Live's more popular segments in the 1980s. Maybe you didn't see this one either, but I'm sure you're aware of it. Buy, sell, or hold Eddie Murphy's Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. Buy. And why? (laughs) Well, I met him one time out in the hall at NBC, and he said to me, the real Mr. Rogers, and he threw his arms around me. I think that Eddie Murphy did that takeoff with real affection. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He was... He obviously wanted uh, people to know that uh, that this was a neighborhood that that included all of us, mm-hmm. and in fact, it has been. Our mail is from every imaginable person in this country and beyond. Uh, 
In fact, one of the things that the neighborhood uh, has done, which surprised me at first, was that it was a vehicle for teaching English mm-hmm. to uh, people who had just come to this country mm-hmm. from many different countries. Somebody in the basement of the White House came up to me one time and said, uh, you don't know, but you teach us English. Mm. And uh, he had come from Israel. What a, what a wonderful result from work that you've done that you probably hadn't anticipated when you created Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood in the first place. That's true. And then another time I was in a restaurant in Texas and somebody came up to me and said, you speak very good Chinese. And I said, really? I'm sorry, I, I wish I did. And he said, well, Chinese come out of your mouth in Hong Kong. Very good. So we found out that the program had, was being pirated, taken from a satellite or something. And they were. And I said, well, that's fine, just so long as they put the, the exact words that I'm saying. <laughs> that's exa- have you ever had an opportunity to see? Have you seen yourself dubbed in Chinese? No, I haven't. <laughs> We will close with buy, sell, or hold, mean people. Uh, now, if I if I say sell, does that mean get rid of them? It it I, it, it is ambiguous. I see. Well, please <laughs> please sell all those mean people. I'd like to close with another Shakespeare quote. You know, we started with one. Yes, perfect. Please do. There's one that I really like. It's from the last part of King Lear. Speak what we feel, not what we ought to say. And it sounds to me as if that's what you all do. We aspire to it each week, and we do so because we were raised enjoying programs like yours. Mr. Rogers joins us from member station WQED in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mr. Rogers, thanks for joining us on the Motley Fool Radio Show. Thank you, Dave and Tom. All right. Well, back to the present day. Mac, I want to thank you again for that booking. Uh, You and I both, Mr. Rogers fans, you bigger fan than I. My wife, possibly bigger fan than you, but both of us even more a fan having just heard what we heard. And, And David, when I think of Mr. Rogers, this is a very strange word, but when I think of that interview, I mean, first of all, when we got to talk to him and we heard from him, he was exactly who I wanted him to be in all the best ways, generous and gracious and kind. But the word I think of, and it's a strange word, is subversive. Hmm. I think because he is just so radically and was so incredibly kind, so incredibly inclusive. Mm. He didn't speak down to kids. Mm -hmm. I think there was something beautifully subversive about Mr. Rogers. And I mean that in all of the best ways. He was the ultimate rule breaker. And no one thinks nice. of no one thinks of Mr. Rogers as a rule breaker. I have this friend who who's like, I was never a Mr. Rogers fan. He kind of dismisses him out of hand. And and I know where he's going with that. Like, you know, the guy just this show is kind of slow. Right. You're missing it. He, he didn't was, pause and take the time to really listen, this friend of yours. He didn't. He didn't. And Mr. Rogers, like he he was transcendent. He existed outside of place and time. He was the ultimate rule breaker, and he did it all with a sweater and a change of shoes. Well, let's just leave it right there. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, my dear listeners. And coming up next week, as I hope you 
heard from this week's show, you'll know that it's the Market Cap Game Show. That's right, our latest episode, playing the game show with you in your home. Of course, joined by my special guest, as has been the case every time, Matthew Argusinger. We'll all try to figure out the market caps of companies together and get smarter about the world. In the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, David. Full on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rulebreaker Investing at rbi.fool.com. Foolery, meow. Meow, walk the orb, meow, meow, sun. Meow shines everywhere, meow, 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 my beautiful meow.